everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Rumcast. That's right, it's our 50th episode, and we are so happy that you're here joining us for it. Will, it took us two plus years to get here, but uh, here we are. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping it won't take us two plus years to get the next 50 on the way to 100. I think we can get there a lot quicker. And in fact, we did pick up the pace along oh, the yeah. way. I think the first year was a little slow. We got things in gear in the second year. So we're really getting our act together. And um, yeah, as you said, a special episode. Um, we've got an announcement to make. We've got a bunch of really cool audio messages sent yeah. in from Rumcast listeners around the entire world. Um, I, I need to go back and see how many different continents we got, but I think I, I think it might have been more than half. So, I think so a, yeah. a lot of global representation there. Um, y'all really really brought the the love and the support, and we really appreciate that. So we we edited all those messages together and tacked them on the end of this episode to kind of cap it off with a nice little celebration. We're also going to get into what we've learned from these first yeah. 50 episodes. We, we each have picked kind of our three biggest takeaways from talking to people from all over the rum world to continuing yeah. our own rum journeys throughout Spending all Spending over hundreds of hours at this point uh, <laughs> and talking dollars. about rum. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's true. And yeah, just kind of taking a little snapshot of some things we've learned in the process of doing this and, you know, what we hope to learn going forward. But before we get into all that, we did say we had a special announcement. And so we're going to start with that. And one thing about the Rumcast that we promise that will always be true is that yep. there will always be a way to listen to the Rumcast for free. Um, we've been doing two episodes a month for a while now. We don't plan to ever change that. That's not going anywhere. But right. the more this has grown and the more we've seen, you know, listenership grow and just interaction online mm -hmm. grow, mm -hmm. we've really wanted to do something that allows us to invest in making this more of an actual community where it's a, a two-way conversation, not just us, you know, publishing episodes and kind of interacting here and there in social media comments and an email. We really want to try to bring the Rumcast community together more in a lot of different ways. And so how we're going to do that is we are launching a Patreon. Woohoo! Yeah. Woo um, so you're, you may be familiar with Patreon, especially if you listen to podcasts. It's a, a pretty common thing people do to kind of give listeners a way to support the show and also get extra cool stuff uh, for doing that. So like I said, we're going to keep doing the show for free. We always will. But we want to kind of create this community. And we're going to start with kind of two levels of support. So mm -hmm. one that allows you to just kind of support the show if you want and also get access to new episodes a little bit earlier. So kind of be out there in front of everyone else, find mm -hmm. out all the good stuff before, before the rest of the world does. <laughs> And then a second level that we're going to start inviting to a monthly happy hour on Zoom with John and myself uh, and everyone else in the community. And hopefully, you know, as we get into a rhythm and stuff, maybe some special guests, maybe some people you've heard from on the show, interesting personalities from around the, yeah. the rum world we'd like to, to bring on. Um, but really, again, like, this is just to get started. Like, we want to keep doing a lot more things for this community, but you know, the first thing we want to do is just like cr get the community created, find out what 
you guys want. You know, some of the things we're imagining in the future might be like private meetups organized around rum events, stuff like that. And this is also going to allow us to invest more in the show. You know, we've right. we've been, you know, doing that this whole time and, you know, it's it's not a massive financial burden, but we have expenses. And, you know, the more we're able to cover those, the more we can invest in kind of doing even more with the show. Like John exactly. and I have, yeah, like we've, we've had lots of different ideas for more content and having a little bit more to work with would really kind of free up some time for us and uh, allow us to keep doing more stuff. Yeah, I think not not only does it help to to cover like you said the small cost of producing the podcast, but we do push into it. But also like you mentioned, Will, creating more cool and interesting segments for the show uh, and really investing in our capability uh, to do that and talking with the community to find out what it is that they want as well, giving us maybe an ability to organize things and meetups around future rum events and and maybe, you know, more things I think we're already thinking about but don't have quite enough detail yet to to really talk through so yeah i think this is what helps the first steps towards making that possible so it's exciting probably anybody who's listened to the show for a while has thought like okay this is probably going to be a next step so i don't <laughs> think it comes as a huge surprise yeah and one of the things we've talked a lot about on this show uh you know we spent time time talking about rum societies and groups and community and stuff mm-hmm. like that and so really I, I think that's kind of what we see this as is like we want this to be a community that functions like that where people get to know one another and get to experience things together uh and just you know do cool fun shit together so <laughs> you know without getting too specific about everything yeah. we want to do because again we want to start this and then kind of like pick some directions to go in but so this is kind of the beginning of all that and uh if if you want to to be a part of it you know we'd be super grateful we're already grateful for like all the support we've gotten from people and yeah. uh, john says it all the time like that's what keeps us going so yeah. anyway if you want to where check- do they go yeah yeah, if you want to check all this out, we should probably tell you, um, you can just go to patreon.com slash the rumcast. So Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the rumcast. Um, all one word, no hyphens or dashes or anything like that. Yeah, so check it out. We'll put a, a link to that in the show notes as well. So you can just pull up the show notes, click the link, and yeah, check it out. But we're super excited to see see this get started. And uh, yeah, fun things await for, for everyone uh, who who, uh, who joins. And, and fun things will continue for everyone who, you know, if, if you want to just keep listening, that's awesome too. That's yeah. supporting the show, and we're super grateful for that. So. All right, so now having spoke about the future of the Rumcast and what that's going to look like, uh, now we, we turn a little bit to look at the past for a little bit here and uh, 50 episodes worth of the Rumcast and what our top takeaways were from that. I think, uh, Will, this was an interesting topic that I'm excited to talk about. You brought it up and I, I do think there's a lot of merit to us now looking back at the totality of all of this and how much time we got to speak with uh, a lot of uh, really, really well educated and important rum people and smarter than us yeah so many different ways and we've learned a lot of course over that but figuring out what our top takeaways were from all of that time and and even the time we spoke with each other on so many episodes it it was a tall order that you gave there but i think i've got some good ones so i think we probably looked at this in a few different ways so Yeah, I mean, for me, part of the point of the podcast is just getting more knowledge out there about rum. Like, you know, I I know it's kind of like 
cheesy to bring up the, I don't know, like we've never called it a mission statement, but we've always kind of described the podcast as like helping people navigate the world of rum by talking to the people who are shaping it. So we try mm-hmm. to bring people on the show who are really influencing the world of rum in some way or who have a lot of experience and knowledge to share. And we try to just pull that out of them in a fun and interesting way. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, us two idiots, we we pick up a, a few things along the way ourselves and learn a little bit. So I think this is a chance to kind of like look back and try to unpack some of that. And yeah, hopefully just share some stuff that we've come to learn with listeners. Uh, I think yeah. everyone, as they kind of go in their own rum journey, they pick up things along the way. And for me, it's always interesting to hear what people are learning or what they think about differently now than maybe they did a few years ago and everything. So mm-hmm. we're going to get into all that. And like I said, probably in a few different ways, we usually kind of approach these things a little differently, which is part of the fun. So let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with that. Hey, Rumpcasters. Ed Hamilton and Brock Smith wanted to bring rum lovers in the U.S. a chance to experience something that hasn't been very easy to find here previously. Single cask, single mark, single still, unadulterated rum expressions from Guyana. With the release of the new Hamilton single cask series, that's exactly what they did. Now, if you want to experience foolproof releases from each of the four diamond stills, which includes the Saval multi-column, the Versailles wooden pot, the Enmore Wooden Coffee, and the historic Port Morant Double Pot, you finally can. Plus, the series also includes releases from Clarendon in Jamaica and Foursquare in Barbados. All six of those expressions are extremely limited, and you can get them now at the Florida Rum Society shop online. And hey, you don't even have to live in Florida to be able to order these because they can currently ship to quite a few states across the U.S. So, Head on over to floridarumsociety.com forward slash Hamilton soon to grab some of these limited bottlings before they're gone. Now back to the show. All right, we are back and getting ready to each share our top three takeaways from 50 episodes of the Rumcast, or I guess, I guess technically it's from 49 episodes of the That's Rumcast, true. Yeah. So we probably don't have takeaways from this episode to share. Um, yeah. So we each <laughs> thought up three on our own. We haven't shared them with each other yet. So it's really going to be a top six of sorts. So personal top mm-hmm. threes, but a group top six. And I'll just, I'll jump right in rather than putting you on the spot, sure. John. Sure, sure. So I'll go well, first. Mine are, mine are going to be, you know, better anyway. So we may as well start with yours. <laughs> yeah, well, this, nah, is the, I, this is the opening act. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't want to put something that can't be topped out there, so I should probably go first. All right. So this takeaway for me, I'm going to describe it as don't lose an appreciation for the workhorses. And mm. what I mean by that is the deeper and deeper into rum you get, the more I find I'm either reading about or tasting or purchasing rums that are increasingly rarer or limited in capacity. And really, if you're following some rum groups online, it it almost seems like the rare and limited stuff is the only thing that people are drinking sometimes. And it can really like give you a lot of FOMO, make you feel like you're missing out. And all that stuff is super great and is part of what makes this hobby so fun for people. It's like trying to find that really rare thing or that limited Mm -hmm. thing, because a lot of times those are things that are really special. But I think you can get so wrapped up in that sometimes that you it's easy to forget about like the stuff that's always available 
the stuff that isn't as higher proof, but is still really amazing in a lot of ways. And I think mm -hmm. what really crystallized this for me was an episode that we had um, about Lance Sewage Bali's Key Rums of the World series on thelonecaner.com, which is really mm -hmm. a series kind of like dedicated to these types of rums, the ones that I described as workhorses. So the Appleton 12s of the world and stuff like that. And, and obviously those come up a lot in conversation as recommendations. A lot of the times though, it's for like beginners or for people first getting into rum. And I'm finding that the deeper I get into this, the more I try to, to still like keep up with stuff that's in that range and still buy it regularly when new things come out that are in there it's mm -hmm. still really fun for me to to try those out because again i think those those things are like doing the ambassadorship for the rum world right those are that's what people are experiencing first right and i i, I don't know just kind of like trying to stay a little bit grounded in those and it's also like Sometimes I get in a mood where I'm trying so much new stuff all the time that I'm like, I don't want something new. I want yeah, something familiar. You want to go home to that safe place. Something, yeah. yeah something yeah. like comfort food, like old reliable. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the, just the more I get into this, the more I try to remind myself, don't lose that appreciation for the things that maybe aren't as rare or mm -hmm. aren't as high proof, but that still are really wonderful things that are being created on a large scale and that can be really hard to do so that that would be my first thing and kind of looking back yeah so i i think that makes perfect and total sense in fact so much sense to me that i pretty much had one of my three takeaways the same thing or similar let me let me kind of i'm gonna rearrange mine uh, okay. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this one forward so we can kind of talk about yeah. it together. I came at it from a slightly different angle or approach, mm -hmm. but we are ending up in the same place, and that is that you know learning about rum for me has been what I would describe as multi-dimensional. Okay. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, when when I first got into rum way back and when we started the podcast, I had this huge desire to explore rum being produced in all of these different countries, with the primary thought being kind of like, oh, they're they're all going to be unique, and I need to try them all. The Pokemon mentality right, right. got to collect them all and catch <laughs> the them all Pokemon um, mentality i like that <laughs> well i think this is still true for me today i still enjoy that discovery process even after expanding you know a lot of my horizons quite a bit um i think what i've also found is that i've learned to appreciate diving deeper into the rum styles countries and cultures i already kind of knew and, and, and have been familiar with mm. so uh, it's not only expanding knowledge out it's also expanding it deeper Right, right. I, I see what you're saying. So it's kind of like you can try to taste and experience like a huge variety, but mm -hmm. you're. it's almost like if you're just trying like one thing from each place, you're kind of experiencing each place on, I don't want to say a shallow level, but a sure. surface level, so to speak. Right. And yeah. there can be just as much enjoyment for going super deep on you exactly. know, one one country like if you get in like a, a jamaica kick or you know um exactly. a, a, a right. guadalupe kick or something like that or that, fiji that, or whatever right yeah. and we're at different places in our rum journey all the time but so this this will probably sound silly to say to you at will and, and to many of our audience members but for others who might just uh, be beginning on their journey it's relevant just as well uh so you know barbados is far more than just four squares ecs series or plantation's 20th anniversary bottle there's an obvious point there of the amazing Mount Gay and St. Nicholas Abbey uh, distilleries making phenomenal 
phenomenal rums for a long time. But even within the portfolios of all the distilleries that I just mentioned, there's a lot of fun and interesting variations to continue to explore and yeah. really define the subgenre there of just Barbados rum in that case. Or as you mentioned, it goes just as well for Martinique or Jamaica or other classic rum places as well. So I think that's the point. I have found my happy place by continuing to explore in both of those kind of directions, broadening geographically, but also deeper uh, understandings with what I've already become somewhat familiar with and continuing to explore in that way as well. It would almost be kind of fun on a super nerdy level to like start the year with here are the new places that I want to experience on just Mm -hmm. kind of a surface level. And here are like the one or two countries that this year I want to try to go super deep on. You know, (laughs) I'm reminded of something that uh, we might end up cutting this out. But board games, my other hobby, which I've mentioned, we have a similar thing where they they do a challenge where you play a board game 10 times in one year. Oh, and that's because the board game hobby expands just like we were talking about rum there's so many new things coming out and it's hitting you all the time with the new hotness of whatever it is or this new thing that's coming out that you forget like wow there's these old mainstays like you mentioned that you love but if you don't experience them at a deeper level you just remain on that kind of superficial level with it so it's almost what you're saying is very similar to that of like saying hey let's target something we want to experience multiple times over a period and not just worry about the new hotness out there. Right. I was also, yep. I should add, I was I was devastated to get a listener email uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago from a listener who specifically mentioned that he really enjoys the little bits of board games dropped throughout. Yes. Uh, as he is a gamer himself. And I saw that. I was devastated because I knew there- it would mean that I would have to only sit through more board game talk. There's um, dozens of us, Will. Dozens! Yeah. So, <laughs> so shout, shout out to Scott. Uh, that was Scott who wrote in with that. Uh, even even listed in his top five games. And I had literally heard of zero of them. It's like how deep this, it, this, this tabletop board game hobby is. And actually, this will tell you what a gaming normie I am. Yeah. Is last night I played a very popular game game with a cult following okay. for the very first time in my life. Can you guess what it was? Catan. It was. It was ah, Settlers of Catan. I knew yeah. it. The way you explained it, I was like, okay, cult following. <laughs> got it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I got Catan, my ass kicked, too. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a board game podcast, because I won't go into my thoughts on Catan, but uh, needless to say, it's the, um, gosh, what would I call that? The... I don't know. Bacardi of board games. Wow. Really? Yeah. Well, so it's like one deep, deeper. Like Monopoly is probably the Bacardi of board games, but like one level deeper than that. Catan is an interesting one. It did kickstart the revolution for board games and got a lot of interest in the hobby. But frankly, they're so much better out there now. And that design is dated. Uh, it's it's okay. It's it's milk toast. That's okay. what I would call it. I yeah, gotcha. Fine. Yeah. Well, you see but, what you're uh, doing now. Yeah. You're like the rum snob who comes in and says, hey, that thing you just ah. said you liked, it sucks. And so now I'm never going to play a board game again. Oh, man. Wait. Ooh, ooh. That's going to be relevant comments to later in this. So <laughs> See, we tied uh, it, we tied it all back in. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Yeah. Okay. All so right. so was, that, was that your first one? Or were that you was just my kinda... first one. Okay. It, yeah, I, I jumped it up. I had it later. Uh, but no, yeah, I like that. I, I think it... It, yeah, it matched up very well with yours. So I'm now curious to see if your next one will match up with any one of mine. I like that. Okay, so my my second one, it's a lesson that I've learned. And it's a problem. It's not a problem. It's just a challenge I'm still trying to overcome. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people will relate to this. But 
the way I'm phrasing this is that I think words are a really tricky filter for taste. And what I mean oh, by that is, is mm-hmm. describing taste is so difficult. And if you if yeah. you think about it from this level, like the most accurate way to have someone experience what you're tasting would be for someone to literally like be able to be inside your head mm-hmm. and taste what you are tasting. It's like, but we can't do that, right? We can't share. There's not like, you know, people always talk about like smell-o-vision, uh, like being able to watch a TV show and smell what's right. there. Like there's no taste thing where you can share taste with anyone. So we have to like take what we're experiencing through our senses and then we have to figure out like what words best describe this with yep. which even that is a challenge but then you have to take the words and you share them with someone and they're going to have completely different associations with those words um, sure. like if you think about a word and the word i keep coming back to i was actually i was talking with a friend i think it was i think it was andrew hinton friend of the podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think he said funky is the new smooth um, oh, you know, like, oh man, everyone That's wanted to get away from using like smooth is kind of like the lowest common denominator right. of right. describing a spirit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and funky in a way, I don't want to describe it as like lowest common denominator, but it's one of those words that to me, people's idea of what that means is so vastly different. Um, yeah. and I, I, that really comes up a lot in like reading reviews of certain rums where people will say like, like, uh, if you compare some of the reviews for the past two Hampton grade houses, mm-hmm. Some people will say like one is funkier than the other and other people will say the exact opposite. And Mm. so it's one of those things where like, even when you find the right word to describe something to yourself, that doesn't always translate. Like even if you have an amazing palate, that's not always going to translate to making sense to someone else and, and you know what they taste because everyone's palate is different. Taste buds are different associations with certain words or certain foods or certain smells. Like it's all different. And I don't know what the easy answer is for that. I'm trying to get better at describing like what mm-hmm. what spirits taste like to me, but I'm also trying to think of just better ways to relate how a, a certain rum makes me feel. Like, how do you commu- talk about a rum in a way that gives someone an accurate idea of what it will be like for them to experience, right? Right, right. And I think a few ways I'm trying to get better at that. I try to share when I like to drink something, what's kind of the mood or the vibe that I associate with a rum personally? Like hmm. what's what's the setting or the occasion for having mm-hmm. this rum? I also, like what does this remind me of? I, I think producers probably don't like their products being compared to other products, but I think from an right. enthusiast perspective, if you can say like, it's a, it's a little bit like, you know, this product in some ways and it, it reminds me of this or, one in yeah, another way. Yeah, um, yeah. I find that a little bit helpful. And then also, like, how often would I drink this is can tell you a lot about a certain rum. You know, whether it's a thinking drinker's rum, you know, where you really want to sit down <laughs> and pensive. think. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's more, you know, an everyday kind of thing. Um, and yeah. every day doesn't mean that something can't be complex. Right, right. A, a good example of that is I bought a, a Samaroli recently. Uh, it's the Yamon 2011, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a blend of like, I want to say like seven different rums. Maybe it's got Barbados and a lot of old Demereras in there and a little bit of yeah. Fiji and some, some old Jamaicans. And it's 45% ABV, which makes it really approachable. But it's still really complex and it's like it threads that needle of it's it's a rum you can think about but it's also a rum i can drink every day mm-hmm. um so anyway i don't that that's i don't have the answer to this i'm just like there's there's i'm trying to get better at like how do we talk about rums with each other 
without only talking about tasting notes and, and things right. like that. It's a really smart point and, and one that I, I also agree with and hadn't thought of really. But I, I think you're right on with how do we find different ways of describing something uh, that are perhaps more creative and less uh, dependent on orange, vanilla. Th- those are pretty specific and those will conjure, you know, things in people's minds, but to your point of funky or smooth or mm-hmm. all those other kind of larger descriptives, that, that really doesn't accurately paint the picture for a lot of people. Although I have to say, as an aside, I always thought of funky as being hoggo. I wonder if that's yeah, but different I feel for like different even people. that is, mm-hmm. it, people define that differently or experience it differently, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's also not to say that specific tasting notes can't be good. And like one recent example, you were talking about that Homeskey Mauritius release yeah. that had that specific grapefruit note and pamplemousse <laughs> right right pamplemousse um pamplemousse pamplemousse yeah. yes. and when i had that rum it hit me like right in the face in like a undeniable way and maybe it was because yeah. i heard it from you but i kind of feel like i would have found my way there anyway so again it's not to say all that stuff isn't helpful it's just yeah it's it's just it's a challenge and i want to acknowledge that you know the more we have a podcast where we talk about rum like the more i've learned that talking about what something tastes like is is really hard and so looking for new ways to relate what a rum makes me feel like is kind of something i'm continuing to try to get better at i definitely agree and and i think you may be onto something there with how it's being used but i don't mean just like in terms of oh i would use this in a cocktail versus sip it neat right uh how it's being used in the setting in the the temperament the condition if you will uh, of where you're at that that all seems to make sense and yet probably you're gonna have a lot of variance between people you, you will that that's the thing that's yeah. the thing is even with that it's it's you still have preferences and yeah um and and i i think that's one of the things that makes food and drink fun things to get into is that people experience them differently well they say the first step to solving any problem is recognizing there is one right maybe there isn't one maybe this is maybe it's not a problem yeah (laughs) maybe it's just it's it's a quirk of what what makes this so fun and and interesting and uh sparks endless conversations but yeah enough about that one tell tell me tell me your second one my my second one uh it, it could be seen as related a little bit to that in a way and the the experience of of tasting so I'm, I'm calling this one take your time and enjoy the journey okay and i have that uh pretty large and broad for a reason but i'll start off by saying the number of times that i have prejudged a rum based on a first experience or taste is too darn high yeah and i've learned little by little over time that it really does take time to properly evaluate a rum yeah, I guess there's still some bottles that you might know at first sip that's not for you, or perhaps some that you overestimate initially based on some other factors. Mm-hmm. But the key here is I think for the vast majority of rums that I have experienced or purchased, they, they require time for me to absorb all of it, uh, all of the flavors, how they develop over time, and what they might be best used for, for me personally. So I know we, we've talked about how there are many people out there, including myself, who've experienced what we perceive as like a real shift in a rum's quality or flavor profile itself. Uh, we, we say sometimes it, it opens up over right. time. I know there's a lot of people out there online that have mentioned this. I'm still not convinced whether that's actually true or not, like from a purely scientific standpoint. Um, but well, I, what I will say is from an experiential standpoint, it is absolutely true. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. I don't know why. There could be interactions from what you ate during the day, temperature or weather outside, or maybe just your mindset for whatever reason. Um, but we should be allowing ourselves the time and space to mentally come to an understanding uh, with with the liquid. For me, also, I will say this. The, the more I know about a distillery, the more I can also get a sense of what to expect. So I think there's also an educational learning element there too. But yeah, in short, I would say it's give yourself the time to properly introduce yourself to a new rum, come back to it over several occasions, and discover how it changes for you, if any. The way that I like to think about it is think about it from the stage of a first impression rather than a verdict, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think because those impressions can evolve over time. And sometimes you do, like, let, let's say you get a sample from someone, you only have a small amount of liquid to kind of, like, mm-hmm. form an mm-hmm. opinion on based on that. So I'm not saying, like, don't form an opinion. Like, it's fine to have an opinion. But right. I, right. I think just, like, contextualize that opinion with this was the amount of time I had with it. This was, like, how much I had, you know, maybe how many times I came back to it how many different tasting sessions, that kind of thing. But yeah, I I think like trying to keep an open mind, especially with like a new bottle, like you were saying, because there have been so many times where you have Mm -hmm. something, the first time you have it, it's just kind of like, well, that was fine. And then you come back a couple weeks later and it's like, what the hell happened to this? You know, this is like, I, I love this now. Yeah. I actually like, I had that on my list, but I was pretty sure that you might bring it up so yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did because i think that's that's been a huge lesson for me is just in keeping an open mind and and really you can apply that to whole categories as well if you have something from one country you never had it before don't just automatically think you won't like anything else from that place i definitely agree there yep that's pretty good so far complimentary i must say yeah um, it's, it's been yeah. a nice tit for tat i would say yeah. But okay, so my last one, I'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. I think the first few have been more about kind of like tasting and that mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So this is mm-hmm. more kind of broadly about the rum landscape. And okay. the, something that I keep having to remind myself is that if you think things are interesting and cool right now with rum, just wait like five more years. <laughs> because the more you talk to distillers or even people, you know, who work at distillers or certain brands is yeah. what we have now is really more of a reflection of what distilleries thought people would want like several years ago, right? Because mm-hmm. this stuff mm-hmm. takes time. Um, mm-hmm. When you have a new idea for something, you can't just release it right away. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there are cases of that where you can, if maybe it's an unaged product or, or something like that. Uh, but even those take some, some time and planning. So th- that's the first part of this. The second part of it is that a lot of the distilleries that get talked about the most right now mm-hmm. haven't even necessarily been making rum for that long in the grand scheme of things. Or let me correct that. In some in some distilleries, that's the case. Some, it's they haven't been releasing it on their own for that long. So like mm-hmm. Foursquare in the grand scheme of things hasn't been around that long, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a few a few decades that they've been making rum now, but that's still like maybe the, the first part of their journey as a distillery, really. Um, Worthy Park is another example of that. Obviously it's history goes back a super long time, but like the modern mm-hmm. era of Worthy Park, you know, it's it's a blink of a blink of an eye in, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> Hampton hasn't been releasing stuff themselves for that long. So yeah. A lot of these distilleries that that we really love are still, I would say, in like 
I, I don't I don't know if first phase is, is the right way of describing it, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. they're still evolving. And I mean, even our last episode with Richard Seal from Foursquare, he was talking about the cane ju- juice stuff that they've been doing. Exactly. And right. it's like we're just now tasting a little bit of that, but it's been years in the making. Like there's already barrels that are several years old and it's going to be a few more years before they start kind of being used mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yep. I, I think obviously a lot of cool stuff has happened in the last five years. And that's not to say like rum before the last five years wasn't cool. Like obviously there's been cool stuff for a long time, yeah. but I, we're definitely getting to see a lot of cool stuff right now. And so I think where distilleries are going to be aiming for five to t- 10 years from now, I just think it's, we're going to see things like we can't even imagine yet. And so yeah. I think it's a really exciting time. And then you also get into like the, the actual super new distilleries like MOBA or Providence, yeah. um, you know, Kohana, places like this that we've talked mm-hmm. about. So mm-hmm. there's so much to look forward to. And I don't, just that like moving target element of rum and spirits yeah. in general is something that I think is is so cool. And getting to taste something that's almost like tasting a little bit of the past when you get it, even though it feels like the future when you have it. So yeah, yeah, that's just something I think I think about a lot. Well, thank you for qualifying your original statement because you definitely sounded like a rum hipster to start with. <laughs> Wait, what uh, did I say? <laughs> you were like, you're like, yeah. If you think rum is cool now, you don't even know. Wait five. Well, that's years. not how I said it. I, no, I said if you think if you think things are interesting now, like five years from now it's going to be even cooler like that's uh-huh, that's excitement yeah. that's not yep. that's not sounds, sounds <laughs> like you're 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 sipping on your hipster latte and uh <laughs> no 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 I, I don't think you understand what a hipster is that's that's a celebration of where rum is going oh, and how awesome okay. it is right now i'm saying there's amazing stuff that, that's that's being worked on and it just takes time for it to come out and so i'm celebrating i'm not trying to gatekeep and say like People no, don't know I don't cool. think that would be a hipster of me. It's just it's um, just a reminder of like what what we're experiencing now is like in a lot of ways what people were aiming for right. years ago in the past. Right. Like because that's the of point the nature of the industry. Yeah. Right. And, and the time it takes. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I totally get that. And I, I was actually just kind of messing with you. Or even even our last episode with Mount Gay and like the estate rum program. Exactly. By the time we taste the first rums from that estate rum program, it's like right. that vision started years and years ago. So right. that's the element of it that I think is is so cool and, and interesting. And right. the more conversations we have with distilleries, it's just a constant reminder of the, the timeline doesn't line up with how people experience it. The the interesting kind of point there that you're making is we, we should have patience, but also that there's so much great stuff here now as well to experience while we wait. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with patience is is something. And and also another kind of side point to add on to what you're saying there is uh, it's interesting of note that you know when we talked with Richard, uh, you mentioned the the four square high ester rum. One thing that he said, you know, sticks out to me still, and he's not alone in this, which is he's going where the market goes. Mm. And you know, so we we are the market right now, but they have to try to hit that moving target, like you said. So twenty years ago, there's a lot of rum distillers and places out there who were not interested in doing those type of things and experiments and high proof high ester things because they just didn't perceive there to be a market for that so why spend their resources to do so so it's it's keeping in mind for us the rum enthusiasts that hey we are we are driving where we want this to go Mm -hmm. but it takes time to get there and especially it especially takes time for the bigger the company is the bigger the Mm -hmm. brand the bigger the the distillery the more time 
I won't say it's a universal truth, but like the more time mm-hmm. in general it's going to take them to, to get there, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the common metaphor is it's like steering a, you know, an ocean liner. Right. It's like right. you change it like one small degree and you don't notice it at first, but uh, 500 miles later, you're way off your original course. So that's a great example. That's why yep. the first Foursquare ECS release was 80 proof, right. because that's what the market dictated at the time. And so, yeah, and that's that's another reminder to don't hesitate to make your voice heard because mm-hmm. the the rum world, you know, it's it's big in the geographic sense um, and certainly like in the volume sense. I mean, a lot of rum gets sold, but especially on like the, the you know, I hate to use the word, but like the more premium side, that's a smaller market. And right. I, I Super think, premium. yeah, mm-hmm. and like when, when mm-hmm. people make their voices heard, people hear it, like they hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, so don't hesitate to do that because you really can't have an impact on, on where things are going. Especially yep. when you like, you know, become part of a community, whether that's starting something where you live or participating in online communities or whatever. So, yeah, great point. All right. So my number three uh, is also broad in the landscape uh, as well. So once again, I think we're, we're doing a good job of our, our thoughts here, even though we didn't pre-plan this, seem to be somewhat aligned. I'll start by saying the obvious, really obvious point here that is rum is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what I what I mean by that is... It, when we started this uh, 50 episodes ago, a uh, part of my thought way back then was like, gosh, you know, is it going to be quick for us to talk to everybody and kind of run out of people to talk to? <laughs> We're I know that sounds silly, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like I, I just didn't really, uh, even though I knew rum is being produced in a lot of places, I didn't know how much rum is being produced in so many places and more and more it seems like every day and every month we're hearing about new distilleries popping up in different places of the world so it's it's a really cool thing i I recently actually i did uh the trivia session we spoke about the frs event Mm -hmm. and so i was going to share a quick story related I, i wanted to make a challenging question and i was also trying to make it fun yeah. Um, so I would throw in like a lark answer in every question to hopefully stir up some chuckles. Uh-huh. So wh- one of the questions that I did was based on independent bottlers having bottled rums from all of the countries I listed as a possible answers, except uh-huh. for two. So I said, this independent bottler has bottled a rum from all of the countries, except for which two? And so the answers I had listed were a few of the usual suspects on there, a few maybe lesser known but still available, one which was the correct answer, and then uh, or one of the correct answers, and then as a final possible answer, I put on there Liechtenstein. Uh huh. You know, of course, with the idea of like, okay, which no country can I put in Liechtenstein? Right, right. Which country can I put that would get a chuckle because of it being so obvious and right. I don't produce rum there? Well, egg on my face because as it turns out, <laughs> Liechtenstein does in fact have a distillery making really? rum. Yes. So so as I'm researching this, uh, I find this out. It's called Steinauer Distillery. Uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that quite right, but it, it's been around for a few years now, 2014. It makes molasses, rum, gin, and, and brandy. So, you know, I have no idea really, of course, if it's any good and how serious the rum making is there. But the fact is, they are producing rum in one of the smallest countries in the world. And that tells me, without having extensively researched it, rum is really being produced in most countries and being drank in even more. And it's a fantastic, cool-looking bottle with, like, a metal plate on the front of it and all that. So, very interesting to find. So, anyways, the point of that story and the point here is that while I think we've covered a lot of ground in 50 episodes, Mm -hmm. there's still so much left to explore and discover. And that just, you know, puts a smile on my face. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've just been busy Googling this distillery (laughs) in in Liechtenstein. Um, yeah, Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, here it is. 
rum made from sugarcane molasses matured in oak barrels for three years and they've already yeah. got a three-year-old rum yeah um yeah that would be interesting i need to do some double checking and see if they're actually distilling it or if they're sourcing it but i'm pretty sure they're distilling it it looks yeah. small batch but i'm pretty sure they're distilling it uh but the, i honestly I didn't do the extensive research or anything but anyway that was an interesting thought there's another actual sub or secondary point that i wanted to make mm-hmm. with this as well um, and this one may be a little bit more contentious. Okay. So just like rum is being made everywhere and drank everywhere, people who love rum are also everywhere. And the styles or the culture of rum can be very different in a yeah. lot of those places. Even more to that point, people here in the U.S. and in many other places are still coming into the fold of rum. Uh, some are experienced in other spirit categories, some maybe not. I have tried really, really hard to be an ambassador and find a way to respect where people are on their personal rum journey, as well as the way a person enjoys rum from a specific place or a culture or distillery or a style. Uh, And I believe that's really important for us as the future of rum, uh, perhaps even uh, critical to the future of rum and as a rum hobby as a whole for us all to do that. I I think what you're kind of, I don't want to say you're dancing around it, but you're talking about like sugar basically or people being a fan of rum that maybe is looked down upon by parts of the right. rum community. I think anyone who listens to a rum cap podcast, like if someone comes up and say that, you know, they love uh, Captain Morgan or something like that, like, mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of shudder a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously there's degrees of that. I mean, we see it all the time with forums. Like someone says, Oh, like, has anyone tried this, this, this bottle? It's amazing. And it's, you know, it's like Diplomatico, <laughs> like Reserve yeah, Exclusiva. Yeah. Um, and it's something that gets seen all the time. And like, you know, we know that it is sweetened. And there's a fine line, I think, between making someone feel bad for what they're drinking and mm-hmm. also like wanting to communicate, right? hey, just so you know, I'm not saying this means that you have to stop drinking it, but like that rum is sweetened. Uh, like yeah. that's part of the education process. Exactly. And I think how you communicate that makes a big difference in I, people's yes. enthusiasm. So I totally get where you're coming from. And I think I think I don't think what you're saying is like that part shouldn't be communicated. Like just shut up and let people enjoy it because like I we're both big fans of transparency. Right. And that isn't super transparent about that particular, and I don't, I don't mean to focus just on that bottle, but I'm saying there's a lot of examples out there where, like, an average person just purchasing the bottle would have no way of knowing that exactly. a rum has been heavily sweetened or flavored in some way. And so, sure. I do think it's important to share that part of it because, um, you know, that influences how people think rum is quote unquote supposed to taste, right? It influences right. their expectations of rums from other countries and categories and stuff. So, I think it's super important to communicate that, but I also think it's important to do it in a way that doesn't make someone feel bad, like you did with my Settlers of Catan thing earlier, and now I never (laughs) want to play board games again. That's where I was going to bring that up, yes, because I totally did that. Uh, And this is something I have to work on personally, so that's why I also mention it, because it's not like I'm saying, you know, this is what I've learned about me. I think other people are also working through it as well. I've thought on it a bit. It it comes to mind uh, is the Plato's Allegory of the Cave, or perhaps a more modern reference would be the first Matrix movie. Um, Uh You know, but, you know, I did, a long time ago, I got fed up with bourbon elitism uh, Mm -hmm. and the prices, 
And I, I think it's incredibly important for the dyed in the wool rum fans to continue to educate on the importance of things like honest age statements, like you mentioned, transparency on additives, GIs, because it's the right thing to do. And we all understand that. But I do think we need to be cautious about how we do that yeah. and respain, res- remain respectful to those that are still you know, learning. I was going to say a good example of this is I got a, friend, a text from a friend just yesterday, actually. He was in a liquor store and had been able to taste something. And he was like, hey, have you, have you had this, this brand before? And I, I won't say what brand it was, but it, it, like, it's one that like, I'm not super enthusiastic about. Mm-hmm. And so my first instinct was to respond and say like, oh yeah, like not a big fan for X, Y, and Z reasons. But <laughs> I stopped myself and I, was, I just said, oh yeah, I'm familiar with them. What did you think about it? And right. he kind of told me his thoughts and he actually wasn't blown away by it. And so at that point I was like, just kind of shared, you know, my take on it. So I think, again, like you said, you have to stop and remind yourself to, you don't want to crush people's enthusiasm, right? Because right. I've, ta- I've talked to many people who are not into sweetened products at all. Mm-hmm. And that's how they got into rum though. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a fine line there. And I think as, as long as like, you know, people are mindful of it. And right, it's it's not a radical idea. But I still do see you mentioned online forums. Man, it's tough. Some some forums online can be really just tiresome. Yeah, in terms of the debates and what it feels like staunch tribalism sometimes. Yeah, that we see maybe leaking in from other areas of our lives and things <laughs> happening. You uh, don't say staunch yeah. tribalism. Yeah. In but this age. I just, <laughs> I, I think the way forward is, is as we mentioned, it's education and having understanding, not through blunt force arguments and shaming of those who might be in a different place with their rum journey at the time. So I, I just I wanted to remind everyone that rum is everywhere. Rum people are, too. And we're all, I think, working towards the future together. Uh, and that I think it's important that we all kind of keep that in mind. And uh, Will, I think your example of exactly doing doing that is, is the right way to go. Yeah, I think it's kind of like it's education, transparency, enthusiasm, right. just trying to be welcoming, I think, to new yeah. people who are getting into it for the first time. So, all right, we made it through six takeaways Woo. from 50 episodes. Can't wait for the next 50 to see what they bring us and what we'll learn next. But this is definitely like... It's an ongoing thing. Like yeah. I said, um, I don't know, 50 episodes in, and I still feel like I'm kind of just scratching the surface of rum, So, <laughs> which is kind of what you were getting at with that last point of, you know, right. initially you're like, Are, will we run out of people to interview? And, and now I'm like, we're, we're never going to get to everyone to interview. Because right. there's so yeah. many interesting people in the rum world. Actually, another takeaway that I had on my list that I didn't end up mentioning, but we've talked oh, about yes, on the show takeaway. before, is just how, like, yeah. how there are so many cool people and yeah. smart people, intelligent, amazing people who work for a lot of these distilleries and brands mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. aren't seen in the public eye. And uh, I mean, we I think we've tried to like get more of those people on this show uh, and stuff. And it can be tough because sometimes people are, are shy and not interested in doing that. Or sometimes brands have specific people that they want to go out. But right. I think a lot of these bigger brands should really start to embrace showcasing the amazing people who work at these distilleries and like supporting them and like giving them that, that opportunity to kind of go out there and be ambassadors and and share their knowledge and share like the culture of the place where it's made. And yeah. Yeah. So, so that's something, you know, we're, we're hoping to do more and more with the podcast and, but something I'd like to see everywhere in rum. So, yeah. So all you huge corporation CEOs listening to this, (laughs) let your people talk. Yeah. (laughs) 
get get your people out there um and and support them like give them the support they need to to be able to do that but yeah so with all that said again thanks everyone for listening so much um thanks everyone who sent in audio messages uh we're gonna play those at the end of the episode and yeah if you want to to keep going even deeper on this journey with us um go to patreon.com slash the rumcast and again the link is in the show notes but you'll kind of see what we what we're starting with there and again just want to emphasize like this is the beginning i think anytime you do something like this you kind of want to do it before you feel like you're ready Mm -hmm. um and so you know we 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 could sat behind the scenes and like worked on this for another 50 episodes and uh you know launched it with you know a thousand cool things but we're yeah. trying to get it out there and still soon. felt not ready yeah kind of like yeah we we want y'all to co-create this community with us so this is kind of starting it but big things uh in store for the future so we're super excited and hope you are too yeah and uh let us know how you feel about it uh, tell us what you want us to talk about next get us up on social media we're on facebook instagram twitter and youtube at the rumcast uh you can find us there we're, we're trying to always post and let you know what's uh what's coming out when our new episodes drop and of course some of the things and activities we do in between uh so definitely hit us up there host at rumcast.com if you want to email us anything any thoughts you might have uh and again thank you so much for for sticking with us on this long journey and uh great thoughts and things uh on rum ahead hey hey fellas this is todd from the seattle area big Big congrats on the 50 episodes of the podcast, uh, and I'm looking forward to the next 50. Cheers. To the Rumcast, congratulations on 50 episodes. To John and Will. Your podcast has been really helpful to us. We're just starting out on our journey of rums and whiskies. So I guess we'd like to just teach you a little thing about rums. One important point, really. Pronounced Bean Lee Rum. (laughs) (laughs) We actually live about 25 minutes drive from the distillery, so if you ever need us to send you detailed thoughts on how any of their rums tastes, you just let us know. We have a delectable selection of different samples here. To the rum cast from the Highproof Brothers, we salute you. Hey guys, I love your show. You have talked so much, and I'm very grateful. Thank you, and keep up the good works. Hey, John and Will. This is Kogan from Columbus. I'm uh, just letting you guys know how much I enjoy hearing all the people you talk to, especially your interviews with Richard Seal and Maggie Campbell, some of the best people that we have in rum today. Love the show, and just a big fan of rums here. And I'm looking forward to, to the next 50 episodes. Hey, John and Will, Trader J here. Just wanted to take a minute to say congratulations on your 50th episode. The service you guys are providing the rum world is invaluable. You guys do such a great job on blending introductions and baseline for those new to rum, as well as interviews and insights for those more seasoned aficionados. The future of rum is bright, and we are lucky to have you both as our earbud guides. Congrats again, and can't wait to see what comes next from the next 50. Aloha boys from the Rumcast. We're so grateful for all the work you do. This is Kyle over at Kohana Rum and Mark Deakins with the Kuleana Rum Works. We are so thrilled with everything that you guys have shown us and all the platform you've been able to give us. Thank you so much for everything you do for Rum across the world and uh, keep up the great work. Aloha. Hello Rumcasters, this is Pete Schmidt, co-founder of the Dallas Bourbon Club, but you may know me better as the inspiration for the episode Rum 201. 
I want to thank you guys for opening my eyes to the entire whole wide world of rum. I love the content you're putting out and keep doing what you're doing, guys. Cheers. G'day, John. G'day, Will. Richard Nicholson of New Zealand. You may know me as New Zealand Rum Society. Firstly, happy anniversary. Well done on meeting this momentous milestone. I've been listening since the second episode and have learned so much over that time. Always interesting topics, talented questions and informative guests. So in your honour, I raise a glass of rum, poured neat, of aged pop column blend, and look forward to the next 50 episodes. Hey Will and John, this is Matt Lowe in Ocala, Florida, part of the Florida Rum Society. Just want to say thank you to you guys for producing such a phenomenal podcast. Uh, Those of us who love rum really enjoy being able to explore it more in depth because of the guests you bring on. Congratulations on a 50th episode, and I hope that we see another 100 or 150 more down the road. Thanks. We appreciate you. Congrats on 50, Rumcast. This is Jim Soper at Jimmy Drinks. That's with an X instead of a KS. Favorite Rumcast, Key Rums with Lance Sarujbali, Navy Rums with Mitch Wilson, and the Boston Pothecary episode. Favorite Rum, Mount Gay XO. Favorite Value Rums, Durley's 12 and a Havana Club 7. Favorite Rum Cocktails, Old Fashioned, Corn and Oil, Tea Punch, Jet Pilot, and the Navy Grog. Cheers, Rumcast. Hey guys, thought I'd send you a little message. I thank you for um, for all that y'all do, putting out some great content about rum, about the world of rum, talking to great people. Um, this is Ben from North Carolina, and I would say that one of the things I've learned most and wouldn't have happened if I uh, hadn't listened to the Rumcast. And I think you brought it up on the flights recently. Overproof, I absolutely love it. It's great as a mixer. It's sometimes great, uh, neat or on the rocks. And I would, I went straight past it as a whiskey guy to the aged world and. I'm learning that straw color is great on some of those, those straw rums. The overproof's great. So thanks for reeling me back to some of the unaged stuff. Appreciate y'all and uh, and everything you're doing in the rum world. Thanks. Hey, Rumcast. This is Chris Twiggs. I'm a member of the Florida Rum Society, and I'm down in Miami right now for the Miami Rum Congress. And I just want to thank you for everything that you've done to educate me about rum. And I want to encourage everyone to join your local rum society. And if you don't have one, Time to start one. Hey guys, congrats on the 50th. Shout out from Sarasota, Florida. One huge thing I love about the rum scene is the uniqueness you can get from each region, distillery, bottle even. Every time you go to the store to pick something new up, it can taste completely different from the last thing you tried. I think that's arguably one of the coolest things about it, in my opinion. And a big shout out to the FRS. 